Hello, and welcome to the Morning Bell podcast, where we interview authors, discuss writing-related topics, and talk about the writing process as a whole. If you want any more information about the Morning Bell and what it is, look up themorningbell.net. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics that you'd like to see discussed, email the co-editor of the Morning Bell, Kezia Lebanski, at the email address kezia at themorningbell.net. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. My name is Joel Martin on this last podcast... Very auspicious day. ...of the year. Congratulations, <laughs> Luke. We made it a full year. Well, a year and a little bit. But right. um, for you, anyway, it's, uh, it's been a full year. How, yeah. how, is, how have things been? It's been good. I mean, podcast has been great. Yeah? <laughs> You're feeling the vibes? Feeling the vibes. The festive right. vibes? That's right. Of Christmas and... The next... Almost I'm feeling the heat because it's, you know, Australia and all, but yeah. That's very true. <laughs> we complain about the weather a lot. A bit, yeah. It's just going to get worse. But thankfully, you don't get to hear you us for... Yeah, you won't hear us until it starts cooling down a little bit. Well, I mean, February is <laughs> still kind of hot, so... I mean, does it cool uh, down in February? No. Yeah, we'll see. It's like high to summer. It's going to show up here in, like, tank top and jandals. <laughs> <laughs> Completely break the dress code. Oh, that's right. Oh, fantastic. So what have you been up to? Nothing too exciting? Uh, not too exciting. I've started um, blogging a bit more, actually, though. Yeah, a I've couple seen of, A couple of posts, so I'm trying to make it a bit more regular. And you've been thinking about a new website. Not so much a new website as a website rename. So I've already put that into effect on my Twitter handle. You'll find me oh. at the Quaint Quill. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was better than the Soul Shard, so I'm just moving up, giving it a bit of alliteration, a bit more, um, more tang to it, some kind of character. So. Soul Shard. Yeah. Soul Shard has, like, drug connotations, I think. Like, Shard. I never okay. realized that till now. Wow. It has what connotations? Drug connotations. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. I didn't even think about it, but it doesn't matter. You've actually <laughs> changed it to the quaint quill. So. I was going with the dark connotations, yeah. but okay. <laughs> so what, what, made you, what made you change? You just thought... I was going into more general blogging as opposed to just um, writing fantasy. So yeah. I thought... The Soul Shard Chronicles was great, but too thematic. Only while it's just about the writing itself, as opposed to blogging and comments and tips and etc. Mm-hmm. So I'm just expanding it, make it a bit more general. Fantastic. So yeah, that's been what I've been up to. Great. Now let's find out what our guest has been up to. Um, and yes, we do have a guest for the last podcast of the year, and we've got a very special one for you. His name is Stuart Braun. He was born in Sydney. Stuart Braun completed a doctorate in history before living across Asia, Australia, and Europe, and publishing widely as a journalist and writer. He has lived in Berlin since 2009. City of Exiles is his first book. Stuart, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to uh, be here in uh, Melbourne on this balmy day. I'm actually quite enjoying the weather. Really? come from Berlin a few weeks ago. Yeah? So that's like cold? It's getting there, yeah. It's we've already had some right. snow. So today's all right compared to yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're but, much of a hot weather person or... No, I'm actually a cold weather guy there as you well. Go. Yeah. Join the club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was happy it, to hear that you guys were yeah, looking forward to the end of... Yeah, uh, skipping a few <laughs> yeah. months and getting ready, but... Uh, yeah. uh, no, Maybe it's a writerly thing, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I've written stories about how much I love yeah. winter in Berlin, mm. yeah. which has horrified a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think um, 
I think it's a common misconception of people who live in colder climates when an Australian goes like, oh, I love the cold weather. And they're like, oh, you don't know what cold weather is. And then when you actually enjoy it, they're like, no, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no. I'm sure Berlin yeah. isn't quite like Russia, though, in the minus 40s and 30s and no. that kind of weather. <laughs> no. it's um, What does it get to? That's pretty extreme. Well, the first winter I was there was like the coldest for 40 years, and that was pretty regularly around the minus 10, minus 15, oh, occasionally nice. to minus 20. Oof. Oh, it's a bit uh, frosty. Yeah. yeah, I'll ride my bike at minus 10. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's about it. Then it gets a bit, a bit icy. <laughs> it gets a bit slippery. That's yeah, a bit dangerous, yeah. <laughs> well, if there hasn't been too much precipitation, you're okay. But yeah. um, it's obviously hmm. very dry yeah. at, at that temperature. But, um, yeah, no, it's not as bad. And, I, look, things have changed. Uh, I, You know, there's no doubt that, yeah, something whether it's climate change related or... Mm. Um, well, weather is definitely changing, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's definitely got a lot milder. Yeah. And uh, mm. we're getting a lot less snow. That year we were, you know, knee-deep in snow for four months. But wow. um, now <laughs> wow. we often, you know, last couple of years, we might only get a week. Yeah. So... Um, oh, that's quite a lot. Yeah, so that's almost disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Not enough snow. That's yeah. true. I come from New Zealand, and it was interesting because New Zealand is a very... People always say it's freezing, and yeah, it is cold in some areas in New Zealand, but for the most part, that country is quite temperate, and it's mm. like, you know, it, it, it maintains the heat even. Um, but yeah, since since New Zealand, I got that taste of cold one, I never looked back, but uh, <laughs> but it's very good to have you on this slightly mild day, Stuart. Um, what what is your week been like? Just book events and talks yeah, and such? Yeah, I got back uh, about a week ago to Melbourne from Sydney, um, as you just mentioned my my birthplace uh, but i had been living in melbourne for quite a few years before i left for berlin mm-hmm. um and did a launch in sydney and um and also i did a talk in rmit gallery with a with a guy peter milne who's a photographer He's mm. sort of known for, for taking a lot of photos since the 70s of this kind of milieu of musicians in in melbourne mm. a lot of them who ended up in berlin yeah roland s howard nick cave mick harvey mm-hmm. um and uh yeah various others and they um and and he's traveled to berlin a lot and we had a great talk at, at as part of an exhibition called Giniella dilettante and i recommend anyone to go it goes till late february mm-hmm. uh and it's in the story hall in the rmit gallery and it's it's a really kind of in-depth look at, at all this not just west berlin but mainly focused on west berlin it's kind of really amazingly kind of experimental um mm. kind of wild subculture that drew in the birthday party and yeah. and these bands and then these you know if crime in the city solution this kind of sound these these australians somehow really felt at home there yeah. with these mm. guys uh, and became part of that they'd been in london and they wanted to get out so anyway it was a bit of a coincidence that this was on and so i've been up been doing mm. a few things there so yeah did that and in general just you know it's great to be back and you know, been wandering around and checking some of my old haunts and uh, catching up with friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. When was the last time you've been back? Probably early last year, about February last year. So, nice. two, yeah, yeah, two summers. Been a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty warm then as well. Um, but I have a place up in the Yarra Valley, uh, a little solar power shack. It's my riding retreat. Yeah, um, yeah. That oh, cool. uh, it's off grid. And uh, I go up there and, and try and see how my tenant's going and stuff. I've got a guy living up there, and uh, I like to get up there as well. So that's beautiful. So mm. you know, um, but uh, unfortunately, back next week, 
uh, to build. Well, not unfortunately, but yeah. <laughs> unfortunately uh, for the rest of Australia, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're gonna miss you, Stuart. But um, no, fantastic. It's good to yeah. have you on. Um, so let's let's move straight into cut right to the mustard and cut go right. to the film and TV and theater discussion. <laughs> and uh, as to that, I have nothing to discuss. So let's pass it swiftly <laughs> on to Luke. What have uh, you got? There we for go. Us? I've got to top up this section again. Yep. Oh dear. Well, I'll try and keep it a bit shorter so we can focus more on the topic this time. Yep. Um, I've only got one thing that comes to mind from the last couple of weeks that stood out to me, and that's I'm sure. Yep. I'm sure um, a lot of people have watched this a long time ago, but um, started watching the Seinfeld series, and I've been really, really um, enjoying this whole element of a play within a play, where it starts out starts off with. Um, um, here we go. I'll try and introduce Joel back to it because he oh, just no, took off for a second. Seinfeld, um, yeah. So Seinfeld, yeah. Um, enjoying the whole idea where it starts off with a comedian doing a stand-up comedy element. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and he sets up the situation for the sitcom that follows. And that's it's actually been... I find it quite interesting and effective the way that it's um, not just the characters acting out what's funny, la, 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 la. But he actually gives it the the context and the situation from an outside point of view first mm-hmm. and then other elements from within. So I've, I've been finding that really good um, yeah. way of storytelling with a bit of comedy. And it, hmm. Had you watched it much before? I'd never seen it before. Really? Only, I'd only heard about it. I've heard that it's so good and I thought, oh, I'll... I better give it a go after I've you know, Stuart, this is other things. The, this is a running theme. Like I, I didn't watch Star Wars until last week. So, <laughs> you know, we're completely out of the cultural loop right here. You look, yeah, I'm part of the club, your club, yeah. Um, I never were. Well, you know, everybody watched Seinfeld uh, when it was on 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. But I never really kind of took to it. Yeah, that's right. But I think probably with hindsight, I probably would. Yeah. I think, think, yeah, we should just rename ourselves to like the retro we forgot to... (laughs) We forgot the last 20 years of life <laughs> podcast. Uh, I think that would be pretty apt. But uh, no, I was more of a everybody loves Raymond guy than I was a Seinfeld dude. But uh, hmm. it's okay. It's okay. There you go. We talked yeah. about Seinfeld in 2015. Fantastic. <laughs> Anything right. else? Luke? No, that's, that's all I've got for today. Fantastic. Like that, Stuart? It's been really good. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm missing out on a lot of... Um, Film and TV, and mm. I mean, look, it's all about TV these days, isn't it? Everyone's watching yeah. series on their laptops and mm. um, Netflix. I Netflix think, is yeah. the, the main. But you're reading provider. books, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're reading books instead, right? <laughs> yeah. Of course, well, that's all right. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. fine. Yeah, I don't have time. To <laughs> Actually, before I le- well, when I when I was in Melbourne, yeah. um, I worked for five years as a copywriter for a mm. film company. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I got burnout, but. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll give a plug to Umbrella Entertainment. Um, if anyone's listening, uh, we had a lot of great art house films, and I loved, you know, I loved Pasolini and Fellini and Antonioni. We had all this great, actually, all this really great, you know, what you call European yeah. world cinema. Uh, and I got to get into a lot of that. And I used to make the the some of the, the special features, you know, get academics in to talk about the films. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So it was, um, you know, the the commentaries, and also make little featurettes. Uh, that was great, um, and maybe I just, you know, was lucky with that. And I don't know the medium, but but my partner does watch a lot of stuff. And last night, probably, 
I was she was watching The Affair. I don't know if you know yeah, it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Features yeah. Dominic West, mm-hmm. who is the well, the probably the, you know, the the star of, or you know, at least the main character in the, the only series I've ever watched, mm-hmm. which is The Wire. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting to see that. And I just watched it. And I thought it, it was okay, but it felt very melodramatic to me. And that's currently <laughs> one of the hang-ups. Well, it's, it's one of the, the things that everyone's watching and everyone's obsessed by. Mm. You know. Um, but it just, yeah, I think I've been disappointed by everything. You know, um, I think we were talking before, you mentioned Breaking Bad. And I mean, all these series, I've really enjoyed a couple of episodes, but for me, The Wire was the, was the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just was, it was just its scope, the way it, it included all these, you know, this kind of like every aspect of mm. society, politics, media, etc. So it's almost an obvious thing to say, but um, yeah, it was, it was an sort of a kind of a, a document, a social yeah. documentary in a yeah, sense. Yeah, it was, it was half commentary on, on, on the world at large as it, might, as it was, you know, drama. So yeah. I, yeah, I, I get why you like that. It, it's interesting to me, and this is like a separate issue, but let's just chat about it for a little bit. <laughs> and that is, you know, why, why do you think that you've, that you've tuned out, <laughs> pardon the pun, uh, of you know, modern day TV? Do you think it's a bit too formulaic or like, you know, what's going on there that... Or like you, you could were saying, put, maybe melodramatic? Yeah, like... Yeah, well, I mean, definitely. I think, you know, the three-act structure in general, um, I mean, I've always preferred more experimental film. I suppose I do like European cinema, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I do go to the, you know, in Berlin, I go to the to see a lot of stuff, uh, filmmakers, and, and also some really radical avant-garde theatre. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people involved in, in really experimental theatre there, and it's very well supported. Um, there's a place called the Volksbühne, Mm-hmm. which has been going since the wall came down. It was an old East German theatre and um, some guys I know who put on stuff there. I mean, there's just no limits to what they can do. Um, yeah. you, know, I don't, you know, I don't want to sound <laughs> like I'm a snob or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it, it is... Be- you know, Join it, the club, it, yeah. It is a, there's, 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 it's not so challenging. And look, I just don't have the time as well. I, yeah, you know, If right. I start watching a series, and I was a, a TV addict when I was a kid... Yeah, well, it's just time away from writing. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, when you're trying to get books out and stuff, especially like this non-fiction one I wrote recently, it took a lot of research and a lot of fact-checking and just, you know, uh, a brutal amount of detail. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I have a lot of other extracurricular things going on. Mm-hmm. And when you start binge-watching these series, um, you know, yeah, you can sort of lose a large <laughs> section of your life. That's you know? very, very true. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> You don't do you it don't, too much. No, <laughs> not too much. I'm usually multitasking when I'm watching stuff. Yeah, you're so terrible like right. that. You don't even dedicate, like, you know, Which is okay, your, your visual... Which completely. Your retinas are constantly <laughs> being distracted. It's really bad. Um, <laughs> terrible, terrible way to watch anything. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right in a certain extent, and, and that's one of the reasons why... Uh, well, uh, we had a guest on, um, Ellie Varenti, a writer, and she mentioned, and it was a very good point, um, she watches, you know, she, she started watching a lot of Netflix, and she started watching a lot of TV, and at the end of, you know, that, she always felt unsatisfied, because it was the idea that the media itself is generally unfulfilling, because there's no amount of depth in this kind of stuff, it's just, well, stuff. Yeah. Even just, if it is HBO and yeah, it kind of high matter. concept. Yeah, you know? yeah, high concept, but in the end, you're talking about the same story structure. You're talking about yeah. making sure you have a hook in at the end so then you know you tune into the next episode to find out what happens to character X or whatever. Yeah. But it's another part of the unfulfillment as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and you constantly have this binge, and at the end you're like, well, I guess I could have been doing something else with my time. 
And I and I'm not criticizing people who do watch TV, but in 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 some extent, I can see there is a problem with the way that some shows are produced. Like, mm. yeah, the 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 spectrum of depth I think has moved a lot, especially now when we're getting TV, which is so many shows, you know, yeah. being uh, that that is coming out in the, in the last few months. Like, it's incredible yeah, compared yeah, to yeah. like even five years ago. Uh, well, that's obviously all the funding's going in. I'm, I think a lot of funny that would have gone into features and stuff in in Hollywood is is being yeah they're using it to make these series yeah mm. and it is you know I mean Orange is the New Black or whatever I mean you know I, yeah again I'll look over my partner's shoulder <laughs> yeah. but I, I can't but that's me I mean she loves it yeah so that's a great thing yeah and yeah. a lot of people talk about it a lot and they find inspiration in different ways and they get you know and they they have conversations around it and and, that, and that's good mm. um you know now you just made me feel bad at criticizing it, but <laughs> <laughs> no. But I agree with you. I mean, ultimately, yeah. I feel exactly the same way as you do, yeah. and I, I feel find it very unfulfilling. I mean, it's it's like junk food or something, you know? Yeah, whatever, yeah, exactly. You know? There's momentary enjoyment, yeah. And lasting. I know this is another sadness. segue, but yeah. we're still um, we're still got a bit of time away for the other <laughs> section. Yep. Um, but would you find that that's influenced your writing as well? The idea that there are a lot of stagnant books and things, because I know for me personally coming through a lot of fantasy that was all the same structure and then reading other books which also had the same structure a lot of fiction I put together my first book was uh, all in diary format the whole thing was I was trying to you know experiment a bit so um, would you say that yours has been influenced by the idea that a lot of writing around you has been stagnant or yeah I mean I think so definitely I mean I I mean you know I mean I mainly work as a journalist I suppose since I I mean I was in sort of not really an academic but I would did a PhD in history and, mm. you know, went straight from that into journalism. Um, mm-hmm. But I was really dissatisfied with what I could do as a journalist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the magazines and stuff I found very formulaic, you know, like even the new, you know, yeah. the New Yorker or <laughs> yeah, whatever. The you know, style of, yeah. You know, like yep. I, I, I actually tried to create my own magazines and yeah. stuff. And, um, and I know that, you know, I have written fiction as well, uh, unsuccessfully so far. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, but that, yeah, I mean, always trying to push the, you know, just, yeah, exactly, do what you want to do because I hadn't been satisfied with that formula. But the problem is everything's so formulaic. When you pitch this stuff to an agent or a uh, publisher, yeah. they're like, sorry, you know, this isn't going to fly, especially yeah. with the market the way it is. It cross publishing, whether it is publishing you know journalism whether it's a magazine yeah, or structured the way we want it yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean the only way in my, my book which we're going to talk about i suppose you know mm. tangentially that that it got up in the end was that you know i had an agent in london and um you know we we're going through all the usual publishers and stuff but it was the same thing they couldn't see how they were going to sell this they have a perception of the market as well so anyway there's all these limitations Mm. yeah exactly and and obviously that is carries to film and tv so you got basically all you know you know popular forms of art and entertainment have these limitations and i think Mm. we're all trying to do things differently but i mean getting back to the point of of the book city of exiles that i I wrote um it's Mm. it was only finally when i just decided to pull out of the whole thing with with the, the the london agent and going down that road that i was able to work with some people independently in Berlin, the sort of, you know, smaller publishers who just allowed, you know, who just wanted to do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. Yep. And that allowed it to happen. Yeah. And we would still be talking about it now. If, yep. um, you know, I'm sure if I'd sort of gone with the traditional publishing mm. route. 
Yeah, trying to find an angle to pitch mm. it. Yeah, so that I mean, definitely that sort of goes back with a sort of dissatisfaction with popular yeah. culture in general mm. uh, has definitely guided me along, and it's been a hard road because obviously, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> not a- you face a lot of rejection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> and, and and I think that's generally like the fate of people who write outside, you know, what is published today. Because when you go to a publisher and be like, well, how are we going to sell this? Like, who is actually going to read this? You know, and, and I think that that question, unfortunately, is the reason why, you know, books get published or not published. And there was a very, I think it was a very, um, it was a very harsh statement. But somebody said, uh, oh, you know, um, you know publishing, uh, you, self-publishing is great and all. But publishing is, is the true pinnacle of success because you get to the point where you've, you've, You've submitted to a to a publisher so many times, and that's improved you as a, as a writer or whatever, mm. which is true, mm-hmm. which has improved you to a writer. So then, when you do get published by a publisher, you can say, "Well, you've made it." Whereas when it's self publishing, you do one draft, you I submit to a to a publisher or whatever, and then, well, you know, you give up, and then you self publish, and that's true in one sense of the word. Mm. But for people who publish unconventional material or whatever, which there is no market. They should not feel shame at all in going through the small yeah. press route or the or the self publishing yeah. route. Mm. Well, yeah, and that's I mean that's one of the fantastic things about um, well Europe or and particularly Berlin has been central to this. I mean it's been a gateway for so many publishers, especially from Eastern Europe, mm. um, who couldn't find an audience, especially in the you know the comic the 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 years when the Iron Curtain was up. Um, but uh, you know also you've got the density of population. And you can do mm-hmm. things on a smaller scale, and they can work. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas here, it's really tough. You know, even the the so called progressive publishers here, and I won't mention any names. You know, but it's very tough for them. There's a particular yeah. type of progressive. That they like. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different topic altogether. Yeah. yeah. But you know, they've got to survive, and there's a, there's yeah. a limited market, and obviously, and particularly if it has an Australian focus, mm. you know, you've uh, so it is really tough. Yeah. What were you going to say? Uh, oh, I, don't, you, okay. I, I don't think yeah, sure. okay. <laughs> um, but I, saying, I, oh. I was going to say if we're finished on this topic, we can move on. But if there's something more, that's fine. It's no, fine. not at all. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say we'll move right <laughs> on. To the, you eat my words again, Luke. Uh, yes. uh, we'll move right along to the actual topic of today's podcast. And that is, well, City of Exiles to a certain extent. But also a particular question that I was interested in when I was looking through the book. And that was the idea that... Um, City of Exiles, you're talking about the history in certain ways of Berlin being a refuge for creatives um, and for the most part, and that idea. And I was interested as a writer, and particularly as a writer, even in your own personal, I guess, pilgrimage to Berlin and then living there for a very long time, you found that to be some sort of creative solace or refuge. Do you think as writers... There's a there are places that call to us, or particular places which encourage a certain type of art. We were just talking about publishing, and and you know how you were saying that Berlin was used as a place of progressive publishing. You know, how do you think that affected you and you know writers in general? I suppose. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you can only talk subjectively to course, an extent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it sort of flows on from what we were talking about. I mean, I was very frustrated here as a writer. Um, you know, I was getting inspiration and stuff, but I'd written a lot about Australian, and I was actually doing doc. I was doing radio documentaries with with the ABC mm. on particular. I was focused on the Aboriginal communities mm-hmm. around here, around Fitzroy, 
and yeah. on Smith Street and particular issues that were happening. Um, and that was amazing. And, and I went back into like pretty deep into some history as well. Um, but but as I said, the, the sort of infrastructure here, it was very difficult. But I had a lot of frustration, stuff I'll probably talk about later, you know, because yeah. obviously we're moving on to my actual book launch tonight mm. here at Brunswick Street, That's book, right. Brunswick Street Bookstore. Um, but, you know, I, I essentially I needed to get out, you know, and I didn't feel like I had the support or I didn't feel like I, I could just express myself in, in, mm-hmm. um, in a way that was going to... Yeah, the artistic was, calling was calling. Yeah, but it was also that I wasn't going to get a response. It was very mm. difficult to get mm. an audience because, you know, everyone was working hard to pay the rent. Things had changed. By 2009, things were changing rapidly in Melbourne. I could see it happening already. And I just felt like I needed to get out. And there was no doubt that the minute I got to Berlin, it was like, okay, <laughs> just, yeah. you know, I need to be here. Yeah. And I would say that I, you know, had the idea for this book very soon after. It didn't probably start till a couple of years later. Mm. But... um yeah, so many things about the makeup of the city. Um, you know, it goes, it's a very complex story, but architecturally, um, but, but of course the, the art, you know, the culture there, the acceptance of people from outside and also not having the baggage. You know, I could be who, mm. I, I wasn't being judged on what school I went to or what connections mm. I had and what jobs I'd had before. You know, I yeah. think in Australia you get this, you know, People very quickly make a picture of mm. you. Um, the jump picking order. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's very hard to get, a, get out of that, you know, and therefore you are defined, you know, you, there, are, there are boundaries. Yeah. And it was ref- what was amazing about Berlin was that all these people were coming from these other places who were just dropping their, you know, were creating their identities again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big part of it as well. So I was inspired by the city as well. I love the architecture as well. I got all that, you know, romantic <laughs> kind of yep. thing. I'd always wanted to go there. And I had been there before in the 90s, but I had this, it was a subtle thing that drew me back. I didn't really know why I was going back. Um, and I'd been searching for these places for a long time. I moved to Tokyo and worked as a journalist for three years in the early 2000s. I couldn't stay there. Mm. I didn't stay there for various reasons and I came back. And it was lucky I did. But um, for me, I've always needed to get out. But I think it's just, never ending it's perspective i'll probably need to leave berlin as mm. i said we talked about it earlier i've got this place in the mountains and i needed to get out of melbourne then and i set up a little you know off-grid shack yeah. in the up in the yarra ranges mm. um and i've always done that in sydney i used to do it in the blue mountains um and i think writers are often kind of travelers who who need this external kind of stimulation yeah, and that shifting yeah perspective i mean would you agree yeah definitely mm-hmm. I, i'd say i'd say it's interesting because like, like i said with sponges and we like soak in the environment as much as we do um what we learn or uh, academic influences or even cultural influences you know etc moving from one language uh, an area where one language is spoken to another language you know we've had a guest on that spoke about that and he said you know the fact that you know in language we prioritize different types of words and that influences how people act or speak Mm. and such and like all of these little subtle changes i think is really important because it like yeah like you said it changes the way we feel Mm. i suppose in one way and i think there's a constant idea of we're remaking ourselves right uh like we're one person here but when we're we're over somewhere else we're fresh again and we can we can start creating and And it's not just for writers it's probably obviously for anyone any kind of artist or And, and people who aren't artists as well, you know, mm. I think uh, it is important. Um, 
And often, often it's difficult here because of the distances, you know, mm. the, the old tyranny of distance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and even to get out of the city and stuff. And it's... Uh, so, I mean, it's amazing how many people from Melbourne have moved to Berlin, for instance, because there's this mythology around the city where they can, yeah. you know, find this... They're not sure even what it is. Yeah. But yeah. it's this myth that there's this place that they can go to and... A yeah. sense of and um, <laughs> heritage, maybe, yeah. 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 And and other artists, and, and you mention them um, in your book as well, and, you know, just for a few, like you mentioned, Nick Cave and such, in a different um, form of art and in music as well. And even they, you know, found influences and found people there as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the... What what struck me was really when I started to, I mean when I first got there I was just couldn't really I, again I didn't really have much of an idea I, we 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 went travelling for about six months mm. and thought we might just only stay for about six months I, I just got a European passport so I was like let's try it out um, but again all these people from around the world and lots of different types of people and it wasn't like a wave of immigration these were individuals yeah that's right uh, which is really interesting and and they could go to Berlin because it was. It's got a strange kind of situation where it's it's sort of like this borderless place. You can very easily get a visa mm. to stay there. You just got to say that you do something, yeah. <laughs> and they give you a visa. Yeah. Show them a couple of invoices to get, you know, show them proof that you get paid for something. Yeah, and you can stay. And you're in. Um, and obviously the it, you know the the borders have opened up um, as the EU has accepted more countries, especially to the east. So people are just sort of wandering in, mm. as opposed to sort of London or New York, which are kind of fortresses. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what I, so I noticed this phenomenon, and I felt so good, and I noticed all these other people felt similarly, but yeah. it had been going on for, you know, 100, 200 years. And how did, why was this happening in Berlin? I mean, it's, a, it's almost an impossible story, but yeah. um, how how the city again has you know if we talk about the 1920s had all these russian avant-garde artists Mm. and stuff and often they were refugees in a way from after the russian revolution um but you also had people coming up from paris who were over the paris scene and and also from new york in particular a lot of english writers um at that time christopher isherwood who wrote the book that was turned into the film Cabaret, which is probably the most. Yeah. Um, but they all they all had this sense of space there, mm. mm-hmm. um, and why that is is something I go into in the book. But it's it's fascinating how it's kept going despite the dictators. Yeah. And and the walls and you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> kind of chaos. I mean, it's I still don't really understand it, but yeah. You know, um, but I do give it a good go to try. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So read the book to find out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a good pitch there. <laughs> but I think, um, and, and in one terms, I'm interested in what you thought of the the writing scene in, in Berlin and, and how whether that appealed to you or, you know, what kind of style that was or what it affected you in that. Well, I mean, I think, mm. yeah, again, that's kind of difficult. It's so international and mm. there's people, a lot of people writing in different languages, but... It's amazing. I mean, I've got, you know, around the corner from me, there's a little Spanish bookstore, all these young Spanish guys. Yeah. And women and men have put together their own press and Mm. it's only Spanish literature. They they do sell City of Exiles. Um, Yeah. uh, In Spanish? No, 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 actually, no, no. Uh, It will be translated into German, but um, it's only in English. But anyway, they've all come there because Mm. it's a space where they can do it. I mean, they were kind of fleeing austerity Mm. and... um, 
and they've got a really strong scene. It's amazing. And obviously, mm. I can't read what they're right, you know. But but I've also write some fiction, as I was saying, and and in the um, very quickly, I've formed a group, um, basically a, a you know a, a reading yeah. writing group uh, that uh, we read each other. We read each other's work. We still do. We catch up regularly, and people mm-hmm. all from all over the world yep. have come into that group and come and go uh, and people are very encouraging again so there is all that there but obviously yep. you know within the English language it's quite limited because mm-hmm. it's, it is in German etc yep. but I think an important yep. point is that it has been a, see Germany has probably one of the, if not the strongest publishing industry in the world it has a very low readership for ebooks. books people buy hard copy mm. there uh, and it's got a really powerful publishing scene and books are very cheap as well and there's just bookstores everywhere. So mm-hmm. It's a it reading has a very, culture in that yeah, way. Yeah, it's a very literate culture, and they really support stuff. I mean, it's amazing how they've supported this book, and uh, even though it's in English. Mm. Um, and they do like to read stuff from around. They Also, I think Germany reads more authors from outside of Germany than any other country. Mm. So it's been this gateway for um, people like... You know, often obscure writers have been able to find an audience there, and then it's gone out into the world. Mm. And, a, you know, and a, a strong sort of example of that that I use in the book is this guy Imre Kertes, yeah. who's a Hungarian author who survived Buchenwald, the Buchenwald and Auschwitz concentration camps. Mm-hmm. Walked out when he was fourteen. The rest of his family killed, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, had a really hard time under the communists. He was also almost a dissident within the country. But he used to travel because he could to East Berlin Mm. every now and then. Um, And basically, he was really poor, uh, under-recognized, but he started writing, you know, novels about the Holocaust in the 70s and stuff. And he finally moved to Berlin. I think he was in his late 70s. Um, He got a scholarship and then he stayed from from the year 2000. And fortunately, he's got Parkinson's. He must be in his mid-late 80s now. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Anyway, he won the Nobel Prize two years after moving to Berlin, and he wrote this great essay, Why Berlin of All Places? Yeah. Um, you know, why would a Holocaust survivor move to the city that fermented, you know, yeah. the thing that nearly killed him? Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks also about the inspiration. It was the first time he really felt at home uh, in that city, and uh, he goes into a lot of reasons. Uh, but yeah, he just feels this level of acceptance, and he yeah he's obviously his age he wasn't able to do that much writing um, since. But there's so many examples of that. There's yeah. a lot of surprising authors. You know, Jeffrey Eugenides wrote Middlesex there, mm. um, and again he you know he just had to get out of America kind of thing. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, Jonathan Franzen yeah. goes there to write. He actually speaks German, and uh, he had gone there on a scholarship when he was young. And he, no one knows he's there. He just, you know, finished. He goes and f- he finished freedom there, and yeah, yeah. you know. Um, so a lot of people find this inspiration. A lot of writers actually mm. find this inspiration and ferret themselves away there, yeah, and just like to wander around. It's it's always been known as a city where you can be anonymous as well, and that's what you know. They're really they're not into fame, you know. Um, so. Uh, they're really into giving people space, and that's what hmm. Iggy, hmm. you know, who's on, on the on the cover here of City of Exiles, and 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 his friend David Bowie, you know, sort of really enjoyed about the city as well that they could just wander around and be themselves, and nobody cared. Yeah, which is completely of course the opposite to LA where they'd yeah. come from. 
Yep, yep. Would you say Germany, uh, sorry, Berlin anyways, has a similar magnetism to what we would associate with, well, okay, maybe I'm just generalizing here, but with uh, Paris and the whole romantic influx there as well? Writers, yeah. artists, is that the kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's just, it's just a different example, but yeah, there's mm-hmm. no doubt it's parallel. You can compare it to that time in the 20s as well when yeah. Hemingway and That's right. James Joyce and Fitzgerald and yep. Gertrude Stein... Mm. And all these guys ended up there for very similar reasons. But quite often already at that stage, they were moving on. The guys who were really radical <laughs> ended up in Berlin, yeah. which was just, I mean, it was really messed up. I mean, yeah. you had the hyperinflation, yep. really just horrible kind of high levels of you know, prostitution because mm. people were desperate, you know, and it was full of parasitic sex tourists and stuff. A lot of this stuff has been romanticized. Yeah. But it was also, as I said, all these, you know, constructivist artists and... These kind mm. of uh, you know, people who people are really living on the edge, and a lot of German artists as well who were who became very anti-establishment and anti-war after what had happened. George Gross, mm. um, Kirchner, who'd left by that stage, um, but it was a really kind of amazing thing going on there. Whereas Paris was kind of stately, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. It was joie de vie or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it was. Paris is in love with thing. Paris. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a great saying: Paris will always be Paris, but Berlin will never be Berlin. You yeah, know? Um, Berlin was a, the fastest growing city in the world at that. St- well, one of the fastest growing in the world. It's the, the, it definitely in Europe at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it got up to about a million more than it is now. <sighs> and uh, people always talk about this flux and this sense of rootlessness there. And uh, so anyway, but it was definitely very similar. But I think you know you had to be pretty pretty keen to go there because <laughs> it was a much easier it was much easier to be in Paris and stuff and there was a strong expat scene particularly yep. of American writers and artists um, yeah in Paris yeah yeah in time. I have a, uh, another question then to sort of go off that um, just with the idea that there's a lot of writers from everywhere coming in together um, building up a writing community uh, building up a home for writers and publishing is there a huge scene for fiction, or is it a lot of it inspired by what's happened in Berlin? Is it yeah, more look, actually, yeah, realistic or um, that kind of yeah. writing? I mean, a lot of people are inspired, get inspiration from the city and write about. It, but I think most people, in fact, are just writing what they, you know, projects that they'd already been thinking about. Yeah, and they come there, okay. sort of. Yeah, Berlin's more the laboratory, you know, and then they get it out, get it, you know, they workshop it, they hash it out, they yeah. actually. Okay. They write. I mean, contrary to a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of myth making about the city in the media, you know, as well. And they're always saying, well, it's just a place where people go to party, and actually, no one does anything. And <laughs> it's full of bad artists, and, yeah. you know, because it's too easy, and uh, you know, the drugs are really cheap, and the yeah, beer is yeah. cheap, etc. But um, yeah, you have to work hard to survive there. So people get it up, but yeah, I think the amount of Berlin-related novels and stuff. There's a few around, um, but. I think people find it difficult to write about because it's just so massive. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. It's a hard subject matter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, like some Australian writers have actually done it really well. Anna Funda, mm-hmm. who wrote Stasiland, another non-fiction book. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah. another Australian writer who wrote this book. Uh, oh, no. Um, I'm totally forgetting now. It just came out. Gail Jones, is that a name? A Guide to Berlin. Thank you. <laughs> And she went there and just for a couple of months mm. and went, you know, Nabokov yeah. lived mm-hmm. there. 
Yeah. And he's another one. He, he sort of contradicts the whole Berlin yeah. City of Exile story because <laughs> he hated Berlin. Yeah. But he was there for 16 years and he was very much entrenched in this sort of ostracized within this, you know, Russian immigrate, immigrate yeah. community, white czarist kind of community. Mm. And um, he was just, he wanted to go home and stuff. But um, she wrote this book novel based around all these characters from around the world who'd come to Berlin because they were sort of on a pilgrimage to see where Nabokov lived. Right, okay. And it's been very successful. Yeah, a guide to Berlin. So there you go, there's all these Australians. So there is that going on, but I think most people are just doing their own thing. Use it as inspiration. Yeah, so yeah. So use it as general inspiration and as a, and to give them the space to write. Yeah. So it's less the city yes. setting more than the publishing setting. Really. Well, and also just the having the space to write, like maybe not mm-hmm. even the publisher. I mean, often people would have publishers overseas. Or oh, whatever. sorry, I don't mean the publishers themselves, but with all the other people there to workshopping and thinking about writing themselves yeah. and yeah, discussing. There, there Creative space, that. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah. Is a, there is a lot of level of, there is a lot of collaboration going on. And mm. I think people like that they, yeah, it's very easy to meet people and you have a lot of friends. and Yeah. Turn the corner you know, and discuss an stuff. idea. <laughs> yeah, and you might not even be literally talking about your book, but you know, you're meeting all these new people. So I suppose you're getting characters. Mm, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's people that, yeah, again, the strange kind of yeah. misfits yeah, who are yeah, wandering yeah. in. Misfits <laughs> you know? of society find some sort of home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and th- and I guess I guess to a certain extent, people always try and find some sort of. Um, place where they can breathe, place where there's no judgment about their art or, you know, what they do or, or what kind of art they do instead of X art or, or whatever. Um, and I think, you know, in your book, you go into this a bit more, especially in the music scene. Um, and that idea where people find this and find that ability to just be a bit more free with their voice. Um, and even in the voice of their writing. So Stuart, thank you very much for coming on. It was, it was lovely to talk about the, the topic and, and such. Thanks so much mm. for having me, really. It's been a pleasure. Fantastic. Um, Luke, any final comments? or um, No, yeah, again, it's been great having you here. Good discussion. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's good to a- hear about Berlin. I haven't heard much about the writing scene there before, actually. Yeah. Well, oh, you, well, you guys must visit. You know? mm-hmm. um, mm. And, uh, yeah, again, I'll be uh, launching the book in about 10, ten minutes, minutes. Yep. so I'll probably be too late. But if anyone wants to get the book, they can, of course, buy it from Brunswick Street Bookstore and most good bookstores in uh, usually probably independent bookstores yep. Um, yep throughout Australia fantastic and your website social my media my website links? yeah www you can also get it online if someone's overseas etc www.stuartbrawn at uh, sorry www.stuartbrawn.com <laughs> you're mixing the Twitter oh God. plus the uh... <laughs> yeah I'm having a social media meltdown yeah and that is at City of Exiles on Twitter correct that's it, at City of Exiles on Twitter. There's also a Facebook, City of Exiles. Fantastic. Luke, where can people find you and end of year comments? Because this oh, is yes, the final that's podcast. Right. Yes. It's been a great year of podcasting. Yep. And um, good to have you all listening. Hope to be back here next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still find me at thesoulshardchronicles.com, but my Twitter handle has changed to the quaint quill, which might sound a bit funny, but I'm going to see if it, if it uh, warms up. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, um, but yeah, and it'll it'll down. warm up. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> as to the morning bell, you can find it themorningbell.net. You can also find it on Facebook and various other social media links. And I'd just like to say thank you very much for listening for this entire year. It's it's been a lot of fun. It's been great to have different artists. 
Um, we were talking about creative space and the idea to express different ideas. And pretty much this year has been that for The Morning Bell. We've had fantasy authors, children's authors who write fantasy and non-fantasy. We've got crime writers, write novellas and short stories and everything. So That's please right. have a look through the list and see what you like. Um, as for my closing comments, and this is... Consider this, I guess, a bit of uh, festival wishing. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I guess not too festive, but uh, I hope it works anyway. And, and that, that's the idea that um, don't be afraid to express your art in any way that you feel, and especially in writing, um, especially in, in today's climate and culture. I think we should um, try and express ourselves as honestly as possible, notwithstanding the idea that we might buck social trends or political correctness or going against the grain. I think that's where art is often at its cutting edge, and I think that's where we need to be as artists. So thank you very much for listening to The Morning Bell, and we hope to see you next year. Thank you very much.